With all that being said, I do want to invite up our, our guest speaker, not guest speaker, she's uh, home to us here, but Amelia, come on up and give us a word this morning. Let's welcome her as she comes. Good morning. So my name is Amelia, and I am the children's program here, at, uh, director here at the river. Welcome. So glad that you are here today. What happened? <laughs> so why do we still have the blue screen of death? How many different versions of Windows have we gone through? Does anyone have an idea? So we started with Windows 1.0 in 1985, and we are now at Windows 11. There have been at least 40 different versions of Windows operating systems that have been released. Now, I cannot verify if this is true, but one of the arguments about why we keep getting blue screen is because Windows operating system is built like a wall in which the new structure is built upon the structure of the previous one. So when there is an unresolved malfunction in the old version, the problem tends to persist in the next version. So today, we are wrapping up our sermon series, Life of Worth. So I want to take this opportunity to do a kind of recap and to share with you a visual exercise that has been helpful for me as I navigated this topic for myself. When we talk about life of worth, our minds may start thinking about achievements, accumulations, and accomplishments, things that build up, things that look good, things that are beautiful, and strong, like a big, tall wall. And then when we look at the foundation of this wall, we may see our childhood, the values and beliefs that our parents instilled in us, and our experiences growing up. The term attachment theory has gained a lot of recognition these days. It is a theory that was developed by a prominent British psychologist, John Bowlby, in the 1930s. Bowlby believed that our early relationship, that first initial, initial bond with our mother, our father, or other caretaker, plays a critical role in child development. Studies show that this emotional bond has a tremendous impact on how we see ourselves, our self-esteem, and self-worth. When we have a secure attachment to our caregivers, it provides a safe and stable emotional base. It helps us learn how to manage our emotions, our life stresses, and develop resilience. Our early attachment also greatly influences the way we relate to other people, our adult relationships. So if we do not have a secure bond, 
it will be challenging for us to build trust and intimacy. But just like any theory, the attachment theory has its limitations, especially when we consider cultural variations. However, it does still have a profound impact in the field of psychology and is still considered a valuable framework when we consider um, human relationships and child development. So, as I have been learning about this theory in my marriage and family therapy program, I could not help but wonder how much of who I am today was influenced by my parents' parenting. Do I have a secure attachment, a stable foundation for a truly satisfying life? What about my pain and traumas? How are these affecting the way I experience my life today? Now, when we talk about the foundation of our faith and beliefs, the term original sin may be familiar to you. It is a theological belief that all human beings inherit a sinful nature due to the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. If you have been taught or have grown up in this framework of inherent badness, inherently inclined towards rebellion, tainted by sin, unable to choose God without a kind of salvation or atonement. You may have found that pursuing these thoughts to their logical ends can lead to a lot of confusion and malfunctions. Life can feel rather stressful and fearful. But if you have been with us for some time, you may be aware that this is not our approach to life or faith. Pastor Charles talks frequently about how our, how our worth and dignity are securely embedded in unconditional love. Our worth is equivalent to the worth of God incarnate. Through Jesus, God shows us that we are inherently worthy, loved, and accepted. A few weeks ago, Pastor Mike reminded us that we should not go into the wilderness without first hearing God's voice about who we are. And who we are is beloved. We may feel that our parents did not do their best job. Our past may be, might be far from ideal. We may have an insecure attachment style. But if beloved is the foundation of our life, then there's no immediate transgression that we need to remedy. And there really is a no hell that we need saving from. Except maybe one of our own design. Let me share. For much of my early adulthood, I saw my marriage like a header brick in my wall. A header brick is a brick that lies perpendicular, creating a bridge between two layers of wall. 
and a load-bearing result. Without this brick, the adjacent layer can only be built so high before becoming unstable. So when my divorce happened, I had many worries and concerns. How am I going to hold this life together now? How am I going to rebuild? Will my kids turn out all right? Have I messed them up? Studies show that children of divorced parents face significant challenges in life. So, what is going to keep them grounded and stable? I've always been a good Christian. Why is this happening? You see, even though I knew about Jesus and I thought children that God loves us, I was still living my life as if I needed to earn my worth. I needed to justify my goodness to God, to the world, to everybody. I was relying very much on my ability and my effort to hold things together for me and my children. I was not living my life like a beloved, someone who is never alone, someone who has been specially designed for this life, someone who is enough and securely attached to the one that created the universe. Because I built my life like a wall, pain and trauma felt like broken bricks. Loss and grief felt like missing pieces, holes in the wall. And when there are just too many broken pieces and holes, you know what may happen? The wall may hold for a while, but eventually the whole thing may topple over. And when this happens, we may find ourselves standing amid the rubble and wondering how we will ever rebuild. Perhaps we can summon enough energy to search for a better foundation. Maybe use a better formula or doctrine to live by. Perhaps we feel the destruction is too great to even imagine rebuilding. When we see, think, and build our life like a wall, it's not easy to rebound. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So when it comes to life, Jesus wants us to have it freely and to the full. So this makes me think, what if there's a new way of seeing and thinking about our life? so that when our foundation is shaken 
or certain beliefs or bricks become faulty or loose, we do not feel like our life is collapsing on us. Life is not about building bigger, stronger, and taller walls. Life, as beloved, is about making connections, journeying, cooperating, co-creating, progressing, and flourishing, being and becoming full and whole. In architecture, there's a term called biomimicry. It is a study and imitation of natural systems, processes, and structures to solve problems. And nature is rich in inspiration with inspiration and guidance. So I'd like us to consider what if we saw our lives more like a web and less like a wall. See, when we live our life like a web, we can be planted anywhere. We can spread as wide as we want. We can go in any direction. There's no one size fits all when it comes to life. And there are all kinds of designs. Married, single, with kids, without kids, living with friends, living on an island, or in the middle of the city. For those who truly know that they are unconditionally loved, there is nothing that they are bound by. Freedom to flourish. Pastor Allison said in her sermon a few weeks ago, a web anchors itself at many points with strong threats that provide its basic structure. And you know what? I have many anchor points and strong threats in my life. Whenever I hear the sounds of birds, I am reminded of God's faithful provision to all creatures, and that's including me. Whenever my daughter crawls up on my bed in the middle of the night thinking that I would not know, I know I am never alone. Whenever my dog jumps excitedly, excitedly to welcome me home, I feel thoroughly accepted and expected. Whenever I receive a funny meme or a thoughtful text from a friend, the world just feels more friendly and hopeful. And there are many, many more. All of these are signs of God's unconditional love for me every day. And for as long as there is a connection, that divine love flows within my web, through me, through the people around me, and through all parts of my life. The anchors, the points, the threats combined create something that is incredibly unique, complex, 
beautiful, strong, and resilient. And resilience leads to my practical suggestions for today. By appearance, a spider web does not look robust or powerful. In fact, it appears quite delicate. But if you made a cable out of spider silk, it would be five times stronger than a steel one of the same size. And if you turn this cable into a rope, the width of a pencil, it could stop a Boeing 747 jumbo jet in flight. The web's power is in its tensile strength, its ability to resist breaking under tension. And the architecture of a spider web is designed to stretch. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crush. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. When we are securely connected to God, to ourselves, and to others, we too can stretch. We will not get easily destroyed by tension, by impacts, or pressure. Did you know that spiders constantly tune, repair, and rebuild their webs? Research shows that as part of the maintenance process, spiders pluck at their webs, kind of like the string of an instrument to feel what is going on in their home. Then, spiders may repair or dismantle parts of their web to make sure that they remain sticky and effective in capturing prey. Being resilient is having the ability and capacity to repair. So if a stick does fall through our web, if a strand or two break down, and it will happen, we can go and repair the broken parts. The web is not going to collapse and unravel because of a few broken strands. For these web builders, repairing, tuning, deconstructing, and rebuilding are parts of the cycle of life. Pastor Allison said we may not like or enjoy every season of our life. But every season has something to teach us. Every season can help us to develop and grow. Crying. Sharing a glass of wine with my friends. Angry journaling. Praying. Getting hugs giving hugs are parts of this season of mine. And when we understand that we are designed for all weather and all seasons, we know that we can persevere 
through times of trouble and savor times of peace. Another thing that I find fascinating is that spiders do not chase after their prey. Spiders let their prey come to them. There is a knowing that the universe will partner with them. It does not mean that spiders are passive or actually they are very active and intelligent participants in the divine creation. The way that sunlight is reflected on the web may attract certain insects that are especially attracted to light. So they can become ensnared when they fly or crawl into these webs. The wind also carry flying insects to the web, especially if it's positioned strategically. The proximity to water resources, the presence of flowers or food sources, chemical attraction, etc., etc. The spiders are cooperating with God and the entire creation. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Our society often tells us that it's every person for themselves. Everyone has their own walls to build. Some are taller than others. Some are stronger and bigger. But when we see our lives as webs, then everything is interconnected. Just like the birds do not need to sow or reap to be fed, God and the entire creation are also cooperating with us. All those wonderful things that happen in my life are not the result of just my own doing. Apparently, spiders do not always build their webs independently from each other too. There are communal webs. Multiple spiders work together to create a larger web to subdue larger prey that would otherwise be impossible to take down, like bats. And the maintenance is shared with the entire community, saving per capita investment of silk. So, as we continue to think together about what it means to be a church community, we are reminded that our church is not about these walls too, or this robust building, or a set of doctrines or programs. Our church is about the webs that we all have created individually and socially. What we do and how we move affect the webs and each other. So as I end, I would like to invite you to close your eyes and picture your web, your anchor points, your threats, and your community.
Who are they? What joy have they brought to you? What are you creating together? You may not have the whole picture now, but it is a start. God, thank you for the strength, complexity, and beauty that are in all of our webs. As we continue to live and create our lives of worth, remind us of the unconditional love that's continuously flowing, supplying, and connecting us. Teach us how to live together, to cooperate and to co-create as a faith community that is resilient throughout all seasons. Amen.